morning. As he said, my name is Kathy. And um, when I was a little girl, my dad would read to my sister and I every night. And he would start with a devotional from like a kid's devotional book. But then he would read to us from biographies or autobiographies of uh, heroes of the faith. And a lot of those people were missionaries. Um, and he, we just absolutely loved hearing their stories. And out of that, grew a love in my heart for all things world missions. Um, these stories in particular were people who left the US and went to other countries to serve. Um, and because of that, because of that deep love, I have actually been on the missions team of South Potomac longer than I've been on staff. <laughs> it was one of the things I volunteered to do um, before they ever hired me to do children's ministry. So I'm actually wearing my missions hat today um, and not my children's ministry hat. And I just wanted to take a couple of minutes and share with you, first of all, um, our heart, and then how that relates to what's set up in the lobby out there. Um, and so basically, everything we do at SPC is grounded in two different commands that Jesus gave. The first one we tend to call the great commandment, and that's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the second one we call the great commission. And that one is found, if you look up at your screen, it's in Matthew uh, 28. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's, a lot of you are familiar with it, but feel free to read it. Um, but I highlighted in yellow the go and make disciples of all nations. That's the crux of it. Notice it doesn't say go and tell people about Jesus. It says go and make disciples. So that actually starts with them coming into relationship with Jesus, but it goes deeper than that. It goes to coming alongside of them and helping them to grow so that they in turn can tell others about Jesus. And it's an ongoing process. And by the way, because it's a command, it's not optional. So if you're a Christ follower, those two commandments, love the Lord your God and love others, well I guess it's three if you put it that way, <laughs> and then the Great Commission are things we're commanded to do. Jesus said this to his disciples while they were on the Mount of Olives. So in his ministry, he had uh, done three years of public ministry, he died, been resurrected, and then he spent about the next month, uh, the Bible says, appearing to many people, proving that he was alive. These are some of his final words to the disciples before he ascended into heaven. And um, so he, he commands them uh, to go and make disciples. But in that same conversation, uh, he says what's in Acts 1.8. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now I have to confess, as a child, we did everything in King James. So I tend to say the uttermost parts of the earth. I just think it sounds cooler. Um, <laughs> but, but if you notice um, in this verse, I highlighted in the next slide, uh, the key word, and it's and. Jesus didn't say go to Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the other most parts. He said and. So what he was doing, I don't know if you're familiar with the geography that we're talking about, but Jerusalem was where their feet were at the moment. <laughs> That's where they had been staying since before uh, shortly before Jesus was crucified. So that's where they were living at the time. But then Judea would have been the surrounding countryside and then Samaria is a little farther out. And the thing about Samaria was it wasn't just geographically farther, it was culturally farther. Um, and then beyond that, to the ends of the earth. So Jesus gave them these concentric circles and said, and, you need to go and do this. Start here and work your way out. So that's what drives our missions philosophy here at SPC. And that's what, this is what it looks like for us. Our Jerusalem... You could say it's Charles County. I went back and forth on, on doing this because it's really wherever your feet take you. Wherever your feet are today is your Jerusalem. So your job, 
your kid's soccer team, uh, your hobbies, that's your Jerusalem. And that's, you're commanded to take the gospel to your Jerusalem. Now, we try and make that easy for you um, by having events that you can invite people to, like vacation Bible school, like the coffee houses, like a Christmas concert. And so all you have to do, or even Sunday morning services, simply invite your coworker, your neighbor, your friend, say, hey, I'm going, come with. And that's how you can, one easy way to reach your Jerusalem. Now, the next level out is Judea. And I have that marked as the state of Maryland. But really, in thinking about it, part of our Judea, if, this, if, if we call SPC Jerusalem, then our Judea would include like Barnhart, which is still in Charles County, I know. <laughs> but we have adopted Barnhart Elementary School um, and the Lancaster neighborhood as a strategic place to minister and to share the gospel. And part of the way we're doing that is the neighborhood fun nights this summer. We've also sent volunteers there all throughout the school year, building relationships with the teachers and the kids so that we can in turn basically love them till they ask us why. Why are you doing this? And then we say, because Jesus loves us and we want to tell you about him. If you want to find out more about those two things in particular this summer, that's the outreach table in the lobby. Uh, frankly, we have a bunch of things, particularly for Barnhart, that we would like to purchase that would enable ongoing ministry, um, like a trailer and stuff like that. That's all that information is on those tables. Um, but then if we move from Judea to Samaria, our Samaria would be the entire United States. Frankly, right now, we don't have any programs that are reaching nationally. But we have in the past, we've sent like hurricane relief um, or disaster relief, we've done things like that. We also, in thinking about this, it's funny, we have a lot of military that come through our doors and then leave again. And while they're here, we love on them and we train them and we disciple them and then we send them out. They go to their next duty station and hopefully take what they've learned here to wherever they go. So we're kind of reaching Samaria that way. But today's focus isn't any of those. <laughs> today we're on the uttermost parts of the earth. And we wanted to take today to highlight what God is doing through South Potomac Church around the world. A portion of the offering that you give every week goes to six different missionary families uh, to help support what God is doing in them and through them in different countries. And so you can see up here on the world map, there's little red stars. Uh, that's everywhere that we, are, we have hands and feet where you are reaching the world for Christ through these missionaries. Um, and if you notice, I don't know, if, did Dan put it up there? Yes, you notice the little white three <laughs> in the corner down there? That's actually Papua New Guinea because three of our six families are in Papua New Guinea. <laughs> and so that's what that means. Um, but here's the thing. We want you to get to know the missionaries so that you can pray for them, so that you can be friends with them, and if you choose to, so that you can financially support them apart from the offering. But we wanted it to be fun. I am all about having fun. And so we thought, what, one way to make it fun, ice cream. Ice cream is always fun. <laughs> and so uh, between services, there's going to be ice cream in the lobby as well as the regular snacks. You're welcome to, you know, chow down. Um, <laughs> and then the other way that we want to make it fun is playing games. And so we have in your bulletin, I'm not going to make you take it out, but in your bulletin, there's a bingo card. And that bingo card has facts about all of our different missionaries as well as facts about the missions team. If you go through the lobby and as you talk to the people at the various tables, you can get a stamp when you find that information. Um, they'll give you a stamp. If you get bingo down, like vertically, horizontally, or diagonally, then you can turn in that uh, bingo card with your name on it. Um, and at 11.15, we're gonna do a drawing for a gift card because 
what good is a game without a prize, okay? <laughs> so uh, if you have questions about any of that, you can see any of us in the lobby. But the whole point today is that we want you to get to know our friends who are working in the uttermost parts of the earth. So we hope that you'll stick around and have a great time. Thanks so much. Thank you. So I've never been to a church that has bingo. Just saying. It's kind of unusual for me. It's the first. So, uh, well, good morning, everyone. You know me. You know my good brother, Sadiq, and my good brother, Ernest. Say hello to them, would you? Yeah, yeah. Hi, Ernest. Hey. <laughs> so sometimes as staff, we just sit and chat about our week. So I, I'm thinking, Ernest, uh, did you watch the Kentucky Derby yesterday? Just the beginning. Just the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how did it go? It went well. Yeah. For the home of the brave and the land of the free, is it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was in the yard working at 5 o'clock and I missed it. Matt, their son sang at the, at the Kentucky Derby National Anthem. But it's on YouTube, so you can go get it now. It's out there. Some of you are bopping it up right now. Um, so it, it was beautiful. It, it was. So you, you can be pleased. And you've got a daughter going to college. She's picked. Yes, we have our last child leaving the house, going to college at Southeastern University yep. in Lakeland, Florida. Lakeland, Florida. So it's Lakeland, if you don't know, is between Tampa and Orlando. And her brother, yeah. her oldest brother, lives in Tampa and yep. works in Orlando. And I think her decision has something to do with that. Yeah. He oh, takes yeah. care of her better than I do. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, we, we, you don't have time in staff meeting for all this, so I'll have to move on. Sorry. It, yeah, this is good. You've got a suit coat on, too, which I never see you in a jacket. So this is our secret. It's a special day. Is it? Yeah. Are you allowed to say? Well, yeah, it is a special day. My, this is uh, my wife's birthday. So when you see her, she's probably... But the children now in the children's ministry. Yeah. But uh, when you see her, it's what's your happy birthday. Yeah. Well, good. And um, so it's a great day. And you've got a son, Sadiq, taking off this summer, right? Yeah, I have a few sons. A few sons. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> but, yeah, one, one son is going to be uh, doing some fine arts work in Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, during the month of June with, uh, with Rick and Frack. Yeah. Um, cool. Hanging out with... Your daughter Lydia. I just so. I just learned this. Yeah, I yeah. just so this is they, they, news the kids to don't me. tell us anything. They don't tell us anything. Yeah. yeah. They call when they, they don't tell money. the dads anything. Yeah. Yeah. Moms right. know everything. Yeah. That's right. Sorry. Even before they know it. So we've talked a little bit about world missions, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, and I'd encourage you to get to the lobby and check out the booths and shop the booths. Just kind of give a feel for it. Uh, honestly. Um, you may not have any interest at all, and yet God may do a work in your life to say, yeah, I could be, I could do what they do, or I could, you know, it's a second kind of vocation. You make your money the first part of your life, and the back end of your life, you could decide to go overseas. And a lot of people do that. It's very fulfilling. Um, little known thing, uh, my mom and dad, my dad pastored for, I don't know how long, a hundred years, and then and when mom couldn't stand listening to him anymore, he said, okay. So he quit. And they went, their, re their retirement gift to each other was to go to Australia. And dad pastored for a couple of years in Australia. 
Um, the, the point being is you might be a mechanic or a school teacher or an engineer. There's those kinds of needs are around all around because you, you can't do mission work without certain items and you need those items to go with you. So you might have your skill set, get with a company that could take you overseas and you, you would have a blast. My dad said it was like a two-year vacation to him because every week was a new week. It was just a great adventure for him. Um, and, and you could find the same kind of a setting. So I, I just encourage you to visit the booth. One of the things that has been a concern for me is not only the mission field worldwide, and that's important, but then regionally, but then locally. And regionally, uh, around the U.S. and crossing the cultures in the U.S., it's hard for us to export stuff that doesn't work well. If, if it doesn't work, and we always say this about, and you'll hear this in the Family Life series, if your family doesn't work, then don't export it. Don't, you know, don't try to reproduce, oh yeah, you should do what I'm doing. It doesn't work so well. So, but it happens in the United States, particularly as it relates to um, the issue of race and racial reconciliation. And, and that's been a burden of my heart for most of my life now. And, um, and there's been within me a prick of just strong conscience issues, right and wrong. And then uh, God has uniquely gifted me with areas of compassion. I know you, if you only hear me preach, you may not get all that, but, but there are bits of me that just are very compassionate to this issue. And it's just the DNA within me. But then that's where God has placed me too. And so I know it's hard for us to export the gospel when, we don't, when, it's, when it's not disentangled here. And so when I heard about a conference that was happening in Memphis, and it would be happening during the week that would be commemorating the 50-year anniversary of the loss of Dr. Martin Luther King. For some of you, you weren't born yet. I was a kid when I heard about the shooting, the murder. I want to be clear, murder, wrong. And the, the death of a minister of the gospel who stood so well for biblical absolutes. And um, I, wanted to, I wanted to get to Memphis and get to the Bible conference, but then just take a moment. And, um, and so I decided I'm going to go. By the way, I, I know that Satan uses all kinds of downfalls to get the army, his, to get God's army to be confused or in disarray or in disloyalty. And he uses um, segregation and slavery and and affirmative action. He uses all those and he conflicts them all to keep the gospel from working. You understand that? Don't think that this is a warfare that's political or social or racial. No, this is spiritual warfare at the deepest roots of our lives, of our identity, okay? And so I decided I'm gonna, I wanna go, but I thought, I don't wanna go alone. I'll, I'll take some friends with me. So I wandered down the hall and said, hey, Sadiq, what are you doing after Easter? Uh, he goes, I, I, I don't know. Well, I, I know. I said, let me uh, check with my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a man wise beyond his years. And, um, and I, then we went down the hall and found Ernest and said, hey, come with us. Um, so we arrived in Memphis right after Easter, a couple days after Easter, uh, only to realize the conference was larger than I thought it would be. It was, it was three or 4,000 people. And it was nonstop, two days, nonstop, just one message after another. Some music, and then one message after another. And um, I wanted to unpack a bit of that. And as I began to unpack it with the elders, the elders said, you need to share that with the audience. The congregation needs to know. So I said, okay, we'll take a week and do that. Um, so here we're going to go into the deep end. So you walk into the conference, first impressions. What would you think? 
Well, my first impression was, wow, I'm in Memphis. Um, yeah. Never been here before. Yeah. Um, that was my first impression. All yeah. I knew was Elvis and um, like something about <laughs> Graceland. <laughs> and I knew Dr. King had been assassinated there. But walking into the actual conference at the, at the hall, um, I was impressed to see so many people, first of all. Um, and I saw such a, I, I, was, I, I didn't know what this conference was about. I'd never been with the, um, the Gospel Coalition to any of their conferences, really checked them out at all. So I didn't know what to expect regarding the demographic mix. And so um, when I went in, I saw a great mix of people. And from what I understood, that was not normal right. um, at those kind of type of conferences. In other words, normally it would be predominantly Caucasians at those conferences. But there was actually at this particular one, perhaps because of Dr. King's commemoration or actually, um, uh, remembrance of him, not commemorating, but re remembering him, um, it was a mix of people. Uh, both blacks and people of color and, and Caucasian. And I say that because when we talk about skin color, mm -hmm. we just don't know the ethnicity of people all the time. We make assumptions. And so I wanted to make that clear. But that was one of the first impressions I got, yeah. was I was glad to see that mixture of people and hopeful as well. Yeah, yeah I had a, a similar thought as Ernest. Um, and I guess one of my different first impressions was when I first got there, um, I think I was pleasantly surprised at the number of people that were here to celebrate the legacy after the tragedy. Yeah. And I think for me that was very powerful because everybody was, was so friendly. Um, everybody, and I don't just 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 say that, um, but you know they, they they were telling us the the great barbecue places to go eat yeah. at, and you know it was just a, a great time. So I I think knowing that there were a lot of people there for the Gospel Coalition conference, which was powerful, but then all the other events that were going around right. in the city, and it was just a, a great time of peace and celebration for the legacy of the tragedy. Right. Just to be clear, there were probably a half dozen or or more, ten maybe other events happening around Memphis to remember Dr. King. Um, so let's take a break, just snap away, because in the middle of the conference, during the dinner hour, they actually had a, a, a tolling of a bell at the Lorraine Hotel. And if you ever, if you have seen the pictures of the balcony, you know those in your, the news releases, that's where the speeches were given on that day, on that balcony, at that hotel. And they, they tolled the bell and, and uh, uh, lots of different groups had come together from all over the city and it was so packed um you got the trolley ride in right you got on a trolley i walked in because it was you just couldn't you couldn't even get a car in because it was so packed um that was a sobering moment that took me back to my childhood of how could this ever happen it was and um I was grateful, you know, I mean, this is my impression. I was grateful Al Green was there. <laughs> At the end, he said, well, let's sing. <laughs> no, I want to cry, you, you know. And he started to sing, and he got the, he, at, at the end of it, he lifted our spirits and led us. I know he's probably not my first pick for, you're always going to be my first pick for worship leader. But, <laughs> but Al Green was okay that day, you know. It was a, I don't know what your impression of that event was, but that was kind of a side event within the event. And speak to that. Yeah. So we, I had the unique opportunity to actually, if, if you don't know, the Lorraine Hotel is 
Um, the, the front of it still looks the same as it did then, but they have converted the Lorraine Motel, Hotel into a civil rights museum. It's actually a Smithsonian museum. And uh, so if you ever go there, um, it's a, it, it looks like the, the motel or hotel, um, and uh, you go, you see it. But if you go in to the actual museum, you will be blown away because they have, it, it, it'll take you hours. As similar to the museums we have here in DC, in the Smithsonian's museums, it'll take you hours, but it doesn't look like that from the outside. But once you get in there, they have different levels and they walk you through a process of, um, of, of, of an era, starting with slavery, similar to the African American Museum, but they walk you through that all the way through to help you understand how things became what they are. And so you get a picture and you have a story told to you sequentially and you get to understand at a deeper level how civil rights movement came to be and why it was so important and why it should continue to always be um, something we focus on and especially as the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And that was, my, that was my connection. I'm like, the body of Christ should always be the one at the forefront yeah. because that's what we're commanded to do to make sure people are loved, yeah. period, no matter who you are. So let me mentally move back to the conference now. Favorite speakers. There was a speaker every 30 minutes. There's a set of music, and then a speaker, would, and then it, was, it would go to 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. So just to give you an idea, of that, this conference was made for preachers. Okay? And for sinners who want to know what purgatory is like. It's just like that. Uh, so there you go. A little bit of heresy there, because I don't believe in purgatory, but... So favorite speaker, Sadiq, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, so. And then why? Favorite speaker, and then why? Sure. Let me let me start with my my second favorite. Um, my second favorite. Here we was, go. Was, <laughs> was number two. Was, one, yeah, my, my, two. My number two was uh, pa <laughs> Pastor Matt Chandler, um, who's down in in Texas. Now, I I want to say that we actually have a link for all of the speakers on our app. So if you have the app, you go to Connect and you can go ahead and just look at the Gospel Coalition and you can take a look at all of them. I appreciated Matt Chandler because um, his words were powerful. And so Matt Chandler is a, is a, is a tall uh, white male um, who has several campuses. And what I appreciated about him is that he was willing to talk about the sin issue of uh, of race or that that take place because of race but he was very clear I am a white man this is how God made me I do not apologize for that and this these are the people that God sent me to and so I appreciated that because I think a lot of times when we have discussions about race I think it's tough because folks have to folks sometimes feel like they're not appreciated for who God made them to be. And right. so Pastor Chandler was clear, like, this is who I am, and I'm not apologetic about that. And so I appreciated that. Yeah. The first speaker um, was my favorite by far, and I'm still stuck on him, and that was Russell Moore. Okay. Russell Moore uh, came from Matthew 23 in his message, um, verses 29 through 39. Well, do you Pharisees? Yes, yes, well, do you Pharisees? And he just broke that down so deep. And what I appreciated was that he helped us understand that although in 2018, a lot of us would say that our voice would be different 
50 years ago if we were living back then. But according to the Bible, most of us probably would have ignored the push for justice at that time. And so to hear Russell Moore say that, and this is another white male, um, very, uh, very big Republican uh, individual that is out there speaking for truth. As a matter of fact, he leads ethics. Um, so it was, just, it was just very impactful for me to know that there are different voices speaking about justice in the name of Jesus Christ. Adoptive father. Yeah. Um, and has been on the hot seat for what he said too. Right. Uh, Russell Moore, great. I recommend you, you watch it. In fact, you're in a small group that his session is like 33 minutes. You should watch it and, um, and then take an hour to repent, you know, <laughs> because it was, it was awesome. It was. Yeah, you, you picked two good ones. So, all right, Ernest, you're going to wish you'd gone first. So your favorite. No, no, I, um, I only, I had one favorite. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody else was second. But, um... <laughs> Sorry. See, this is sibling rivalry in the house of God. <laughs> I could like this. But yeah, it, it, um, and, and you get impressions from, based on where you are in your, in your walk, in your, in your season, where you are in your life. Yeah. We have our own views of life. And so mine was actually, my number one was, uh, was Matt Chandler. And um, the reason is, and, and Sadiq mentioned a little bit about him. He's a pastor in Texas. He pastors in a predominantly white church that has multiple campuses. He explained that to us. And he said, he, he said he's, I love my people. He said, let me get this straight. Let me let you all know that I love the people that I uh, serve with, that I pastor and so forth. Um, and he said, they just, they're white. It's probably always gonna be that way because that's who's in my community, period. And that's who comes to my church. Um, and so he wasn't apologetic, he was unapologetic to all that, which was a good thing. And the reason that was good is because um, it helps to set the stage set the stage for what he had to say after that. And what he had to say after that was his, the big idea of his speech was, is he was speaking to pastors of predominantly white churches, to white pastors of predominantly white churches. And that's important. Um, he, he, his point was, I'm speaking to you because you have to say something when you see something that's not right. You can't just sit on the sideline and not say anything. And it, you, you're not absolved from um, your responsibility under biblical principles, under the Bible, the Bible's command to, for you to do something, to be active in making sure that justice under the lordship of Jesus Christ is addressed. And so he, did, he, he, he challenged the pastors to do that. And one of his, his, his main things was um, he said, you know, it's not enough for you to say I'm okay just because I'm not letting dogs out on people of color. Yeah. And it said, it's not all right just, you know, you're not okay just because you say, I'm, well, I'm not putting high pressure water hoses on people. Mm -hmm. So you're just as complicit with it by not saying anything at all when you see those things done. And so that was key to me that I had never in my lifetime, in my experience, been in an environment where a white pastor spoke to white um, pastors and challenged them to get involved. Now, um, you say, well, 
that maybe that happens all the time. I'm just saying I had never encountered it that. It doesn't happen all the time. Well, I, I don't know. That's why I wanted to go to the conference. And right. That's why I wanted you guys to go because I, sure. I didn't know what to expect, right. but it was even better than I'd hoped. Sure, and, and that, was a, that, that to me encouraged me as a brother in Christ to right. Matt Chandler. Right. Because I'm saying I appreciate that brother in Christ yeah. challenging other, my other brothers in Christ. Right. The other part of that is many times when people, if we have people groups, whether we want to admit it or not, we just have people groups that we feel comfortable with. Either we were raised, I was raised in an all-black community in the inner city. That's where I came from. I, was, I never fellowshiped with white people in the church until I came to South Potomac. How's that? So this was a, yeah. Um, I never had, I never was under the pastorate of a white pastorate, a pastor. And so my, 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 my culture shaped me and I was around people groups that shaped me just like you have been. And so for him to, to speak to his people group, lots of times is more impactful than um, for a person of color who, yeah. to say that. I hope and, you get that. Yeah. That's and a so, huge point. It, but, and vice versa. I yeah. believe the flip side. If a, if a black pastor speaks right. to predominantly black right. culture uh, or pastors um, and says certain things about biblical truths that he believes that needs to be um, addressed and challenges them to do it, yeah. then I think it might go, uh, go further in, in terms of being effective than it would if someone outside that people group spoke. Mm -hmm. And so those were the things about Matt Chandler that I really appreciated. So you guys picked white guys as your favorite speakers. Yes. How ironic. Yes. And, oh. and my favorite speaker was a black guy. <laughs> I think you know who it is. It's John Perkins. Right. Uh, and I, I referred to him before, but he's just the grandpa to all this. The guy is, uh, I don't know, 88 or so? Uh, yes. Something. Yes. Uh, I'm going to mess it up. The Bridge in Selma at Pettus. I can't think. Tell me the name. The bridge we uh, crossed with Martin Luther King where everybody got beat up. He, he was a young guy when that happened. And he was on the bridge. And he got beat up. And as a young Christ follower, it, to forgive people for that, that's, that's exceedingly difficult. I, if it were me, I would still be struggling, with, you know, just hanging on to bits of that. Um, there's a, a bit of that. that and, and yet he, he seemed to let all that go. And I, what helped me was, I don't know if you remember this, he's so old that they didn't want him to actually preach. They wanted to put him in a chair and interview him because he's old, he's frail. He's ready for heaven. And, um, and yet, and so uh, Russell Moore interviewed him uh, at a, a cafe table with a chair. But every time he'd go to speak, if he'd get excited, he'd have, to, he'd have to stand up because he'd want to make his point. So watch the video. But what helped me with it was, here's a guy who's old enough to be my dad, older than my dad. Uh, and yet he's the voice telling me, don't lose hope. Uh, that was worth the trip right there. Every recession was worth the trip, but that, there were moments in that that were worth the trip. So I'm not going to ask you what your second, third favorite speakers were because you've already done that. Okay, so, yeah, but uh, I don't have any second or third favorites, but if I did, <laughs> they would be Tripoli. Do you know who Tripoli is? great guy, Crawford Loritz. Crawford Loritz is a, a wonderful speaker, but was with um, Campus Crusade for years, pastors outside Atlanta. Um, wonderful, but biblically solid, triply, theologically strong. 
And, and so if, you're, if we're going to find our way out of this, it's going to be through some really good thinkers who don't just react, but who think through the implications in light of the, the kingdom. Um, I, our time's going to get away from us. I, I, I want to um, play just a clip here, and I need to set this up. Um, uh, this is a, I want to play a musical clip, that, uh, and then we're going to react to it in just a moment. I'll just let it fly. Here. Sovereign King gave a dream to Martin Luther King Jr. A concept so beautiful, hard to believe it could be true. But this dream was just a glimpse, like a flicker in the night from the northern star, pointing to where the freedom is. This dream is spoke of revelations of a nation that no longer operated under a hierarchy of different races. Justice, unity, equality were realized. Like you could see it with your real eyes. Wake up. We're so far from that in real life And right now, you and not we're in this real fight There's work to be done Starting with the household of faith Created, saved to lead the way To hesitate would be a grave mistake, I'm saying Broken mirrors give us all a false perception Broken systems teach us all false lessons And the evil one so crafty in all of his deception To keep us divided is to keep all of his lives protected So you can't see that you're treated as superior While I'm left fighting off the lie that I'm inferior Where the precious children born into this world Where lies are taught is true Father, we need our minds to be renewed by you Cause it's a daily fight to remind myself that I am worthy When microaggressions lie behind every other Lurking. We've been hurting for a long time, weary souls. Why does it seem like my brothers in Christ can't understand it though? I don't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. Looking through my own eyes, but now I know what I didn't know. Help me see. See through your eyes. I will walk with you no matter what it takes. Keep in step with truth by the gospel of grace. I will walk with you no matter what it takes. Keep in step with truth by the gospel of grace. Justice on the cross that was displayed If we live for just us We don't do justice to his name It's like a shoulder shrug at our debt That Christ already paid Like saying, Lord, we'll keep the comfort And you can keep the change But imagine every tribe and tongue Singing God how great their art Then I look at my sister and say God how great is their art And she can look at me and proclaim the same Cause we've learned to stop comparing And start celebrating That we're all his workmanship Created for amazing things Distinctly different on purpose Equally made in the 
terms to make it right But how we steward what he's given us That's up to you and I Let's song's called Walk With Me. It's from Village Church in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. If you want to get it, it's on YouTube. You can get it again. Uh, they sang at the conference as well. So um, uh, respond to that and give me your takeaways. What are you taking away from the c- conference itself? Well, my, my main takeaway was uh, I was really encouraged to know that um, someone in the body of Christ is addressing racial injustice and racial discrimination in our time still. That they, are, they were sensitized to it, to the fact, to the point that it's not just something of a social movement, but it is a spiritual movement because of the principles of Christ that he laid out for us in biblical truths. And so for me, um, that was my main takeaway. I was really, really encouraged. Okay, good. Partway in, uh, you, can I tell this? I'm going to, so I must. Just... No, you can't. I no. can't tell. No, no. So, halfway into the conference, Ernest leans over to me and goes, uh, remember this? must be tough being a white guy in the room right now or something like that. It was like, they're really beating you guys up bad. You know, he's... <laughs> I was taking blows to the head like, not me. I don't do that. I don't, I, that's not me. Yeah. So anyway. I felt sympathetic. You felt, you felt, good, I'm glad you felt bad for the white guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's called equality, Dave. It is. (laughs) Yeah, just just flip it. So, so one more, one more awkward moment. I had tons of them at this conference, but. (laughs) So there are frats, there are clubs, uh, fairly Afrocentric, but then the Gospel Coalition is a little bit of everything, Asian, Latino, black and white. It was a little bit of everything. And you have to know the Gospel Coalition is usually white guys with big beards, okay? It's, it's, uh, they're very, uh, I don't know what the term is, that something, but anyway, they all look like Charles, they there's all look something. like Charles Haddon Spurgeon, what? Yeah, there's something. Yeah, yeah there's something, yeah. It's like, like Duck Dynasty. So when we're walking into Memphis, I lose these guys because they're different places, we're different conference, we're different workshops, but there'll be a, a 100 or 200, 300 at a, at a workshop, and then he wanders off to the museum. He's at a different workshop, so I'm just headed to the assembly. Well, there's people coming out of restaurants and bars and places walking towards this solemn assembly that's down at the Lorraine Hotel. So I get in the midst of a frat, a bunch of guys from some other place. They all have the jackets on. I don't. 
And I'm walking with them, and they go, where are you going? I'm going out of a hotel. And they're looking at me like, for what? <laughs> so I was, I was happy we made friends. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, but there, there are thousands. If you watched, I didn't know it. It was going to be on, it was evening news. So I snapped a picture and, um, and of, of being in the crowd, just the crowd. It was just uh, massive. And uh, I snapped a picture, posted it, and, and family members around the country going, it's on evening news, you know. And uh, in fact, we, I found Sadiq, and you were, we were like 10 feet from James, Jim Brown. Yep, yep. The, uh, and he's, every time I went to snap his picture, he would turn away. <laughs> so I have eight pictures of the back of the head of James, Jim Brown. I call him James Brown, Jim Brown. And I'm an old enough, to, there's another Jimmy Brown mm-hmm. from the Cleveland Browns back when they used to win. That's way before my time. I know, it's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, enough of my awkward moments. But that's, I was born for awkward moments, I think. I, so your takeaway. Um, so, so one of the lead singers in, in that song just now was Pastor Matt Chandler's wife. Um, so not only was it in Texas, this was actually Pastor Matt Chandler's praise team that, that did this song. And they wrote that puppy. Right, they I wrote mean, it, and, and they performed it there. Um, yeah. And so it was just amazing. Um, I had a lot of takeaways. I think one of mine was um, to just be encouraged to continue to have the conversations um, because I know I have friends of various backgrounds, and sometimes the topic just gets exhausting. And you, you have some friends that want to talk about it, those friends that feel like we need to talk about it more, and then you have other friends that are like, dang, we keep on talking about it. Can we stop talking about it? And so for me, um, as a man that really loves the Lord with, I mean, without any shame to it, it gets difficult being in the middle at times because you're like, you know there are a lot of people hurting on one end because it's not addressed or it doesn't seem to be getting any better. But then you have another group of people that are hurting because you f- they feel like they've done everything that they possibly could. Mm-hmm. And they keep getting beat in the head for something that they didn't do. Yep. So for, for me, my piece of encouragement was that there is, I guess, a new movement or a new wave of energy that is circulating through the body of Christ to try to make sure that believers stand up for what is right and to encourage one another that regardless of how tired you are, regardless of how much pain you're in, to keep hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and to keep persevering and pressing on. And so I think for me, that was my biggest takeaway that Sadiq, you don't have to start, uh, you don't have to keep blocking posts on Facebook because you can't deal with that person if you keep seeing the foolishness that they post. That's what's happening. That's why I haven't been responding okay, it to it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you can you can you can go ahead and take that off and then just go ahead and continue to to get back in the fight and to continue to have those helpful conversations. And you know, if if folks listen, great. And if not, you know what? Great, because we are all called to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if God spoke to truth in the gospel according to John, the Bible says that Jesus came to testify to the truth. 
And so if we're all called to be Christ-like followers of Christ, then that means we have to testify to the truth. Yeah. And so the, the great thing about it is whether people want to hear it or not, we're just doing what God called us we're to do, yeah. speaking to the truth. Right, right. All right, so I think that, that, that's the answer to the last question, which is that's what, what would you say to SBC? And my word to you is to keep up the good work and to keep digging in and don't give up, don't grow weary. Uh, and that's, that's the enemy for me. When I get weary, then I get impatient, don't you? When I get weary, then I get short-tempered or I give up hope, I lose hope. And that was what was so helpful to me with uh, Perkins' message, so. And let, let me add yeah. one, one thing, Dave. Um, South Potomac Church, you should know that we are ahead of the curve. And I want you to, to let that be one of your takeaways. We are ahead of the curve. If you look around, the great diversity that we have in this church is an anomaly in the body of Christ. It really is. And, and so I would just encourage you to be your true authentic self that you bring to worship on Sunday mornings let that be the real you when you leave those doors. Mm -hmm. yep. And one more thing. Yep. Um, I've, I've been here the longest of the, the three of us, and I have seen this change. When I first came here, uh, like I told you, I was coming into an environment that I, I was unfamiliar with. Um, and when I looked from the stage, which many of you don't have an opportunity to be, have this perspective, but when I first got here, my entire band was white. My praise team singers were white except for one. <laughs> and when I looked out into the audience, I saw a sea of white people, okay? And so what I'm saying is that over time, since I've been here, yeah. I have seen um, a change, whether, and, and I believe by God's divine providence, things happen, mm -hmm. not by just chance and, and randomness, but I believe that this, this body of Christ is uniquely set and postured um, to help us fulfill um, that particular issue within our society that seems to be even some, some more flames of being stoked even now, today. I just sense it where I am. This, this, this sense of stoking the, the tensions of, of racial divides and segregations. Um, and so we are uniquely postured to be that salt that we are called to be and that light we are called to be as a body of Christ, to model to society out there how you do that. How do people get along? Yeah. And we believe that it's under the lordship of Jesus Christ, right. period. Right. Without him, you can forget about it. Amen. Join me in thanking them, would you? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Boy, now I can preach, man. I'm ready. Take your Bible. Let's go to Acts chapter 17. You're laughing, but I'm not. I'm ready. Acts chapter 17. Um, I want to just leave you with the thought that the, what we hold on to, the good news of Jesus Christ, what Kathy talked about in local evangelism and in regional, what we do outside in the area, what happens around the world, uh, it's too good to keep to yourself. You cannot hang on to this good news, okay? Now, uh, uh, Ben Watson 
is a, an NFL uh, player, uh, pl plays in the National Football League. He is also a father and a husband, and at the core of who he is, he's a committed Christian, Christ follower. He, um, after what happened at Ferguson, he came out with a statement that, uh, and he, he was at this conference, but this was a few years ago, he gave this statement. Ultimately, the problem is not a skin problem, Watson wrote. Sin is the reason we rebel against authority. Sin is the reason we abuse authority. Sin is the reason we are racist, prejudiced, lie to cover our own. Sin is the reason we riot, loot, and burn. Get it down. Get it down. Don't ever think this is just an issue of, of society or a social uh, thing or it has nothing to do with us or the schools will fix it or someone else will fix it. No. The Church of Jesus Christ can fix this. And Watson is uh, living proof of that. Um, there's he is with his wife and young family. That's a couple-year-old picture, but it's, isn't that a great picture? Um, I've heard him speak a few times. If you ever get a chance to YouTube him, he's, he'll occasionally speak, on, particularly on race issues. You know, it was the Apostle Paul who uh, was a part of the problem when Christianity first came out when it first went public, and the Apostle Paul hated Christians, and he was part of the anti-Christian movement, and him being a Jew and an attorney and a smart one at that, he was, able to, uh, he was able to torch the first wave of Christians. I don't know if you knew that or not, but people knew him as a murderer of Christians. He plotted, and then one day he met the Lord, and he was radically changed. And then when he was in his travels to help people come to know Jesus Christ, he enters a city called Athens. And Acts chapter 17 tells the story that when he goes to Athens, he sees they have a statue to all kinds of gods. They even have a statue to the unknown God. And the Apostle Paul says, good for you. Uh, let me tell you about that God you don't know. And he begins to explain to him, Acts chapter 17, pick it up at verse 24. And these words, we need to burn them into our eyes, in our heads, and in our hearts. Uh, because uh, this is how the, the gospel overwhelms everything, every other issue, every other challenge of our lives. Chapter 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, this is what he's preaching. Everything in it is the Lord God of heaven and earth. He does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. He's saying, the Lord God of heaven is the Lord. He does this. He puts it together. He holds it together. He gives it life. He breathes life into it. Okay, verse 26. From one man he made all the nations. He's a reaffirming creation. He's reaffirming Genesis 1 all over. That we should inhabit the whole earth and and uh, so he's telling, this is the story of mankind right here. We inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. He's, he's, a, he's, he's saying, God put people out there. Let them scatter. Let them build their own properties, different lands, different, different places. And God did this. He, he allowed this amount of diversity, get this, verse 27, so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. Any of us. The God who is the Lord of heaven and of earth, 
creates all this. And he does it from one person. So eventually, you have to, we're not going to do it, but you can lean over to the people across the aisle and go, we're related. Because you are. And when you begin to realize that we are family of the earth, that's one level. But then he goes on to say even further, and God gives us so much diversity. Why? So we'll be so overwhelmed by our problems. The United States is a wonderful country. You have to understand, I love the country. wouldn't want to live anywhere else. It's a wonderful country. But it took us 100 years to even admit that slavery was wrong. It should have taken about a day. It took 100 years. After that, it took another 100 years to, to disentangle from it. And then we're in our third set of 100 years try, trying to figure this thing out. And I believe, verse 27, God does this. Why? So we'll see that we're so overwhelmed by the problems. The issues of life are so strong that we cannot untangle it. We can only do this with the help of God. And that's where Jesus comes in. So perhaps we'll reach out to him. So when, when you walk through life this week and you, you go through your routines and people are hopeless, you say, you know, it is hopeless apart from Christ. But he can resolve all this. He can make this better. But I have zero hope outside of him. Get this. Now, here's what happens. We like having a leader, or we like having a system, or a party, or a plan, or a school schedule. We like all that, because then we think those are the reasons that we succeed. And you know what those become? Those become false crutches that keep us from really running to the Lord. And he has to knock those out. Have you ever voted for someone and then regretted it? I voted a guy, for a guy who went to jail. What, what kind of discernment does your pastor have? I mean, they caught him stealing money, and he, he ends up going to the state pen. And, and just when you think, oh, I could trust a guy, or I could ho hope for, no, it doesn't work. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of systems that have come and gone, and they don't work, because Why? Because it isn't the perfect king who will rule with, right, with righteousness and truth and justice and somehow will be able to mold into that mercy and patience and forbearance. And so when a person says to you, yeah, uh, racial reconciliation probably isn't going to happen, you're saying, you're right. Not until people get right with the one who made us. And when we get right with the one who made us, then we become family. And then we'll defend each other like family because we'll treat each other like family, okay? And, and this is what I do. And people say, I'm not really sure if I can. Well, I ask, I just flip the equation. Would you want that done to you? Would you want to be pushed to the back of the line? Or would you want that to happen to you? Or is that loving? Is it joyful? Is it kind? Is it patient? Is it the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5? Maybe God puts that in my life to bring out the fruit of the Spirit that he wants to develop in my life. It's all for my good. Can't can't lose so this week i want you to tell the good news i want you to give the hope which is christ and i want you to make sure that hope it doesn't wander to anything else because it's on christ the solid rock we stand all other ground the hymn writer put it is sinking sand so we give up hope that anything else will save it's only jesus who will amen, amen. let's bow for prayer and let's stand as we pray it's in times like these, Lord, that we see our real need for Jesus. We need him because we can't, we can't untangle the mess of life. Make us, we pray, the people 
who are ready to give the answer of the reason of the hope that we have as we revere Jesus Christ in our lives. May we give the answer with hope that Jesus is the only logical, lasting way. And he is the way. May we never forget it, the truth and the life. May we embrace him as Savior. May we follow him as Lord. May we love him like a friend. That's what he is. In Christ's name, we pray these things. The church would say amen.